May 20th, 2021. Got your popcorn, drink of choice. Sit back and enjoy today's episode with Earl Austin Jr. My name is David Oliver, and if, hey, you're new to the party, this is my podcast, Overtime with Oliver, documenting St. Louis and having a ball. Fun talk with Earl. Currently color commentator of SLU Basketball, also sports editor of the St. Louis American. It had been too long. I enjoyed catching up. I think you'll enjoy it too. Cardinals going full capacity June 14th. Tickets are already on sale. You want to go sit next to 50,000 of your closest friends? Look, I know I'm going to a Mizzou home game, so yeah, I'll go to a Cardinal game with good seats. Wouldn't hurt if Flaherty was starting. Mark, get off my property. McClowski is running for Senate. Now, that's a precedent we want to set. Governor Parsons is scheduled to visit Greece, Israel, and the UAE. If anybody knows how to fix Highway 40, it's the Arabs. The Supreme Court agreed this week to take on a Mississippi case that does not allow abortions after 15 weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the train leaving the station. Three things you should if you have not. Last week I talked about how much I enjoyed Michael B. Jordan in the new Tom Clancy movie. Motivated me to stop and watch Creed on TNT. Man, was that Rocky 3 good. Creed 2, not as good, had moments. Creed 1, do it up. Second, in honor of today's guest, go check out Earl's Uncle Wes Unseld, most specifically the Wes Unseld tribute on YouTube, Man Could Ball. This is where I ask you to subscribe to the podcast, write a review if you would like. My Twitter handle is at OT with Oliver. If you want to follow and keep up with upcoming episodes, after this conversation, Earl and I sat down for St. Louis 7. You can see that on our YouTube channel, OT with Oliver. Lastly, if you like this episode, go check out previous ones. We've talked with Anthony Bonner, Howard Richards, Art Holiday, Coach Grower, and his son Brian. Good people, good times. So, Earl Austin Jr. We talk about his family, his extended family success back in the day at Lindenwood and KASP. How Rich Gray and later Rammer, Bob Ramsey, played such an instrumental role in his life. Great PHL stories, his favorite Belican moments. I don't think I know a person more humble than Earl, and I definitely don't know a person who knows more about St. Louis basketball. Welcome to the Overtime Family Hall of Famer, four times over, Earl Austin Jr. Go to Overtime. Overtime with Oliver, with my dad. Tell your friends. What's going on, man? Sight for sore eyes, man. Good to see you. You too. You too. It's been a long time. I like the hoops in the background. Thank you. <laughs> a birthday present from the, the, the missus. How long have you been married, Earl? Since 2009, so it'll be 12 years, June 20th. I remember when I heard that you got married. I was so happy. It was like, he found somebody. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's what everybody says. <laughs> Up with shock. Yeah. How'd, how'd you meet? How'd you meet her? Well, actually, we went to school together back in the 80s, and then uh, she had transferred out. We didn't see each other for like 25 years, and then it just happened to be a chance meeting in a Bob Evans restaurant close to where, where we both lived, and uh, it started from there. Is that where you proposed at the restaurant? <laughs> no, proposed <laughs> at the parent house about a year, two, a couple years later. Seems to me online you're keeping busy. Mm-hmm. Did I see something that you lost like 50 pounds? 
60 now. Good for you. Less awesome to go around. Hard work. Well, I think it's, well, it's, a, it's a long process, I'm telling you. You doing the keto thing, or what are you doing? Uh, just basically lifestyle change. Lots of vegetables, lots of fruit, lots of stuff I really haven't eaten never before, but now I'm eating on a regular basis and exercise several days a week and giving up a lot of stuff I've normally eaten or cut back, you know, just pretty much changed how I eat. Vegetables, what are those on the road? I'm telling you, yeah. All right, so if it's all right with you, we'll just kind of get into this. Again, <clears throat> podcast is OT. Oh, by the way, my mom says hi. Oh, there I said hi. You know what's funny? She was like, not more than two or three times, but she'd be like, how come Earl hasn't been on yet? And I was like, well, I don't want to bother him during basketball season, so we'll hook up after the season's over. But she says hi. Oh, that's great. Let's start somewhere, man. How long have you lived in St. Louis? 1980, I moved here. So, good lord, 40 plus years. Moved here. I was a junior in high school, going into my junior year in high school. Uh, and that was I from lived, Syracuse, right? From Syracuse, yeah. I lived in Milwaukee for 12 years and moved to Syracuse for four years. Uh, and these are all father move. My father, he worked with Slitch Brewery in Milwaukee, then got transferred to Syracuse. And then Anheuser Busch brought out. Uh, uh, Schlitz, and uh, he got transferred here in 1980 to work for the brewery. My brother John coached track, actually long distance, out in Syracuse. Snow, oh. snow, and more snow. <laughs> it's all it is, man. It all it is. It's, it's some cr- cr- they didn't. They didn't think about closing school. And, 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 if you're talking about inches, they waited. It was all about feet. How many feet of snow were on the ground before they even thought thought about closing schools? Now we talked a lot of basketball, but I don't remember talking much about Syracuse. Were you an Orangeman fan? I'm guessing. I, I went to a lot of games. I really wasn't. All my friends were. I, I, I was still a Louisville fan because that's where Uncle West played, and I was a Marquette fan because I grew up watching the Warriors and went to a lot of Marquette games. Living in Milwaukee. But we we went, we saw a lot of Syracuse games in the old Manly Fieldhouse. David, I was we got there right as Jim Beheim was taking over as head coach in 1976. That was his first year. Obviously, still the coach now. Uh, but we saw uh, we saw I saw Magic Johnson play in the Carrier Classic, like nice. his freshman year in 1977, 78, I guess it was. Uh, and we saw Jeff Rulin and Iona, and it, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, they, they had some Syracuse had some great teams, Roosevelt, Bowie, Louis R. So, so. And we left in 80, right as the, you know, the Carrier Dome was being built. And right as the, the, dawn, the, the, the dawn of the Big East Conference was just forming, too, as well. That's when we left to uh, we'll move here. New York pizza or St. Louis pizza, Earl? Sir, uh, New York pizza. No, it, it really doesn't matter to me. I like St. Louis is cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm partial to thin crust, lots of sausage, <laughs> wherever it comes from. <laughs> growing up in Milwaukee, what do you remember? Uh, my father, growing up, going to softball parks, my father played in you know, slow pitch softball, uh, and it, which is a big deal in Milwaukee, uh, almost as big as the Brewers back then. Played in an industrial league, played in a muni league, highly competitive, then played in a Sunday, and then he played in the beer league with the Schlitz. All the departments had teams in Brown Deer Park, 
and we used to go all over the city playing in, uh, in different tournaments. I mean, it was, it, and then uh, they even had a league of the highest level called the Big Eight, where it was just the elite teams, uh, Copper Hearth, Transport Oil, all these teams, and uh, it, they they played at Jones Park and Unlimited Arc, and these guys were superstars. They their names. You knew the names like Andy North pitching, Phil Higgins, right-handed hitter, Arliss Jones, leadoff hitter. You knew those names if you were like you knew Don Money, Robin Yount, and George Scott, who were the stars of the Brewers uh, back in the day. You know that we go there on Tuesday nights, and the crowds were just enormous for these games. So uh, that was a big part of my childhood, following my father. You know, and the Schlitz had some great teams too. You know, he was. He was the first baseman, and he also managed the teams. And uh, yeah, I, I love those days. That was a lot of fun. And your brother, <laughs> Richard, he was a great baseball player, wasn't he? So he, he caught yeah. the bug. Yeah, he caught the bug. I did. I ventured toward basketball, and so did my sister. But Richard, yeah, he uh, he played in high school, or didn't play in high school, really, because uh, he went to Cardinal Ritter and played basketball with, you know, Jehite, with uh, Chris Carroll, Lauren Woods. But he played college baseball at Lindenwood in Minnesota State. He played close to 15 years of professional independent league baseball. Uh, he's in the Frontier League Hall of Fame, played with the Rockford Riverhawks, and they won the Frontier League Championship uh, in 2004. Then he went over and he played in Italy. He played in Colombia. He played in Canada. He's played in about four or five different countries, and now he's still a hitting uh, specialist, instructor, has own academy, has a team. He lives in Denver, Colorado has his own organization called the slammers and uh, he, he put, he put, he does hitting clinics and uh, talks uh, at, at conventions and stuff like that. Uh, he's really had a nice career for himself in the baseball. I think the last time I saw him was Thanksgiving <clears throat> at your house and he was like up to my waist. How tall is he now? Oh, uh, he's about six, two, six, three. Okay. Uh, about, damn, he, I guess he just turned 40. I mean, we're like 14 years apart. Yeah, he's, he's, he's done well. He's got a son uh, and a daughter, uh, Richard, little Richard. Look, uh, he's a, he's a, a big-time gamer. I mean, this kid is a genius. He, you uh, go you on YouTube. Are send him to Slough or are you going to send him to Mizzou? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's got – I mean, he's into those – I mean, he's into games. I mean, uh, nah, he's, he's, he's got his own moniker, King Bling, Rhythm Doctor, and uh, – uh, I mean, it's, I mean, all that, all the, I mean, he, it's amazing the stuff he does. I don't understand any of it because I'm not <laughs> into that part, but he's really, really good at it. And my niece Avery, his name, my niece Avery is about nine, I believe now. Good kids. Moving from St. Louis to St. Louis, from Syracuse to St. Louis, big difference in basketball quality? Yeah, <clears throat> Syracuse was good, but it, like I said, it was, uh, you know, St. Louis, bigger city. Uh, there's some good talent in Syracuse, probably the biggest name. Danny Shays, Dolph Son, played for Syracuse, played many years in the NBA. Obviously, Syracuse, I mean, St. Louis, uh, from the time from the last 40 years, we've seen some great players and culminating with, uh, you know, last night you see two kids from U City, from Chaminade High School, uh, Chris, I mean, uh, Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum playing in an NBA playoff play in game. And they were also starters in the All Star game together on the, on the squad that was you know it's kind of been the culminating of watching st louis basketball we've had some tremendous uh talent over the years uh you know we got you know various miles from east st louis had a great uh run at east st louis played several years in the nba and uh 
God, uh, you know, David Lee, also from Chaminade, was an all-star world champion. And uh, it's been fun just following these uh, <clears throat> young men and young women. Nafisa Collier was played in the WNBA now. Uh, was an all-second second team choice. So Neil Ivey was a coach at Notre Dame, great player at Notre Dame. It's been great watching all these uh, young men and women play over the last, I guess, 35 years that I've been covering basketball in the area. Didn't you write a book about the PHL? <clears throat> yes, I did. 2007. The Plug history. Away. Plug away. History. Where can they get it? Uh, Amazon. Uh, the PHL and the STL. The, the PHL and the STL is a history of the public high league from uh, about the early 1930s, 40s until when I wrote it in 2007. Covered everything from uh, before integration, after integration. It, it, it's uh, a lot of pictures, a lot of... Uh, stories great games great coaches um you know great players uh, it was a lot of fun and then we put together a dvd about it as well about a year later found a lot of old time footage and highlights from great these players from their high school and their collegiate days as well it's probably uh, the most fun i've had in putting together a, a project over the years best player that nobody knows of craig upchurch uh he played at Beaumont High School in the 1980s, 1987 he graduated. He was like a forerunner to what you see with Jason. He was a 6'8 guard, great scorer, great ball handler, could play point guard, shoot the ball. And he actually signed with St. Louis University, but didn't get in. So he went off to play at University of Houston, post five slam and jam, and had a great career. Uh, scored, he's one of their top five leading scorers of all time still, rebounders. And uh, probably without, had a serious back injury, which probably kept him from having a long NBA career. But he had a great collegiate career. He's one that he's one of those great public high league players that you don't know much about because he didn't go, he didn't ascend to the NBA because of the injury. But uh, if you saw Craig Upchurch, uh, you knew how great he was. Taking time sitting down with Lindenwood Hall of Famer Earl Austin Jr. What's it like to hang 40 your first game? I didn't know I had it until somebody came up and told me. I was just so a, you. <laughs> it was. We were playing St. Louis Christian, and it really was a basic 40 because guys just got me the ball, and I was just hitting, basically shooting turnaround jumpers in the low post. Earl, there is no such thing as a basic 40. It was. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I mean, we didn't have the three-point shot back then. I guess we made a lot of free throws, but I was just, I just got the ball in the post, and it was just – the ball with the basket was big that night. And I, I was hurt after the game because we lost. I remember the score it was like 93-87. I mean, we lost that game. And uh, it was, you know, who would have ever thought? They said, Earl, you had 44 points. I'm like, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you tell your uncle and, and tell him what you've done? <laughs> uh, no, we talked later that season, though, after, you know, during or what we did. I think we saw each other over Christmas holiday. We made a trip to Louisville. He was there, and I talked. You know, my, actually, my mom would do all the talking. Yeah, he did this. He did that. Yeah, you know, that was, it was fun. You know, it, it was kind of out of necessity because we, we, we were really uh, my freshman year. Linda, we only had like six or seven players. We had lost a lot of players before during condition and everything. So I was playing the whole game. So I had to be. In, our coach ran us to death, so we made sure we were in good shape. So uh, I took advantage of having a lot of playing time and got a lot of touches back then. My freshman year. Heard you talk about your mom. Earl, on some other podcasts that you were on, you were telling the story about uh, 
how your mom used to buy two newspapers, one for your dad and one for you? Yeah, that's when I was about three, four years old, when I was, well, maybe five, when I started to learn to read. And obviously, it was the Milwaukee Journal, Sentinel. We loved the sports page. And uh, my father would go through it, and he, it wasn't there. And, and where's the paper? Where's the sports? And mom, you know who has it? You know, I would have it. <laughs> or we'd read it together. So my mother figured it out. Eh, I better buy two newspapers here. And uh, so one for both of us. So that's kind of how I got the bug. And then see, one of our neighbors back then where we lived in Milwaukee was uh, – uh, Larry Whiteside, uh, he, he was covering the Milwaukee Brewers, baseball writer for the uh, journal Sentinel. And uh, he turned out, he went to Boston and had a great career, right, for covering the Red Sox. And he's in the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame baseball writer. And so I used to pal around with his son, Tony. And it, you know, I used to read his dad all the time. And uh, not only we had a lot of fun reading, reading the newspaper with my dad, but, that you know, Larry was one of my first inspirations on yeah, I, I kind of like this sports and maybe writing sports and everything even though i really didn't know it at the time uh knowing that a sports writer of that magnitude at that early age right who did, that, that would be uh, something that would uh kind of be the catalyst for what i do today did you have those bookmobiles growing up a little bit that came, came to our school yeah 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 uh back in milwaukee uh vaguely remember those they, they, That's come what, they had those books where all they had yeah. were statistics they were they weren't even books. They were just yeah. people, players, and their stats. Well, I, well, back well, obviously the sporting news was something like that, right? And then I always used to have uh, Street and Smiths, which was kind of like the Bible of college basketball back then, because a lot of the games weren't on TV, but I knew the players used to go through the Street and Smiths all the time, and uh, and then there always had this you know basketball digest. I used to get those all the time. I think football and baseball may have had those. They were kind of smaller books, but they were kind of thick. And they let you know what all the players were doing. Baseball Digest, Basketball Digest, Sporting News. But then Street and Smith, those were the, my go-to uh, publications to kind of other than the newspaper to find out what was going on. What was it like <laughs> the night they retired your number at Linwood? That was pretty emotional. I mean, it was emotional when Brad, Coach Brad Soderberg, the coach at Lindewood at the time, he's now in Virginia with Tony Bennett and his assistant, Marshall Newman, uh, told me they were going to do this. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, emotional and uh, very honored that they would do that. And uh, it was more emotional because we had some family that came through from the Louisville. Some of the unsettled were able to come through. My brother came from out of town in Texas. It was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it was the first time that had happened. And uh, it's funny because they still have that jersey. If you walk through the corridor, the concourse at, at the basketball arena, they got that sitting up there. <laughs> and it, what, what's funny about it, because a lot of people, obviously we have a lot of basketball tournaments and games, so people know me as Earl the writer or Earl who's on TV or the Billiken guy talking. And they look at the jersey and they you know, they see my name on it. And they, they, have some of, they don't put two and two together, then they right. go, they come up to me and goes, is that you? Is that your jersey? Is that you? Like, yeah, that's me. Like, like they look at me like, you, you played this game or something? Yeah, that, that, that was a long time ago. And that's why I get that a lot. You know, like, wow, I know an Earl Austin Jr. here in St. Louis. He felt, you know, yeah, that, that's the same guy people tell him. So what so, you're telling uh, me is you leave your gloves in the gym a lot. Oh, I forgot my gloves. I got to go back to the gym. I left it out. Actually, I left it out. I left it out. Yeah, I left it on the courts in Syracuse. <laughs> left it at the, on the outdoor, on, we used to call it the courts, but down, down the street from where we lived. Yeah, a brand new glove. Yeah, my father really wasn't happy about that. 
but no, no, I no, man. I was saying that you like your mittens, like your snow gloves. You just leave them yeah. at the gym to give you the excuse <laughs> to having to go into the gym. Yeah, that too. That too. But it's funny because you mentioned that because that's how I, my father learned that I was more of a basketball and baseball. He bought me a new glove and then we played some baseball. Then we went to the courts and played some basketball. I went home and I left my glove there. And my father was incensed within. He realized, yeah, my son's going to be a basketball player, not, not baseball. But yeah, just, yep. That's How's your me. sister doing? A f- another Hall of Famer. Yeah, she went in the year after I did. Uh, she's doing fine. She's been teaching for 20 plus years. She had uh, three, three sons who uh, kind of followed in the family business. Uh, her oldest son, Robin. Thompson. He played uh, high school basketball. He was all state and MICDS and played at uh, Missouri State University and in Maryville. Uh, doing his job as a family now. And uh, her middle son, Austin, is uh, played football, basketball, and ran track at MICDS. He's now a sophomore Cornell playing football for the Big Red. And uh, my youngest son, Sean, played three sports. Uh, Played at Hazel, plays with East, played basketball, football, and track. Uh, started, he's in career, started his career at Missouri Western. Uh, he's now, he's up in Ithaca, New York, hanging out with Austin and uh, working and doing fine. So uh, they all, they're both dabbling in music as well. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, she's doing fine, raising three three boys. And uh, she's, she's a grandmother now, because Robin has a two-year-old uh, daughter named Sasha Amani Thompson. And, uh darling little girl at that time, very active. So, uh, yeah, she's grandmama now. <laughs> That's good, man. St. Louis basketball. We've had Anthony Bonner on. We've had Grower on. We have other people. I really want, when it's appropriate, to bring up Rich Gray. Because for people who don't know how important he was to St. Louis basketball, I think they should know. You, more than anybody, can probably speak to this dude take as long as you want talk about rich gray boy well like you say from what we do obviously he was the father of all sports talk radio in st louis you know with his career in the media at KMOX and starting uh kasp with you know where we worked did a lot of all sports talk and uh uh you know and you know he's just so well liked and respected in that part uh, in so many in that part of the arena and then basketball obviously he was one of the founders of the st louis eagles basketball club which is now bradley bill elite red bill elite right. and that that's a program that's been uh, a force not only regionally but nationally over the you know since 1988 and like last night you saw jason tatum and brad bill two guys who played for the st louis eagles you know, led them to, you know, great heights, great, you know, national players of the year, NBA guys. And, you know, they, they've put out countless numbers of players, you know, going back to, you know, like I said, Julian Winfield, Scott Highmark, or Ron Flagon, one of their first great teams. To You saw Bradley and Jason, and in between Tyler Hansborough, uh, uh, the list goes on and on. You can name great players that have come out of St. Louis, many of them of Larry Hughes, uh, Justin Tatum, Jason's father, you know, who've, who've uh, worn that, and then that's Rich Gray, as uh, you know, has been a big part of what uh, uh, bringing, you know, what bringing that kind of attention to national attention to the St. Louis metropolitan area. You know, he's, he was just a mover and shaker, 
in area sports and area media uh, for everything he's done. And just a nice man, too. Great to work for. Very an inspirational figure because he was always, uh, he's in your corner, but he's always nudging you to do and be better than what you you are embedded in who you think you are, he's, whether it's a player or whether it's in the, in the in the working world. Rich was always that mentor who saw things in you. He's the one that actually, you know, got me into radio. And that's not, because I was always a writer. And that's all I always saw myself as a, a sports writer. But he's the one in the man. When he, when he was running KGLD back then and it started, uh, the little talk radio and stuff uh, on sports. You know, he, he's the one that got me. No, you need to come on the radio and talk. You need to come on the radio. And I was, at first, I was like, no. He just kept at it. No, you want to be good at this, you. And so he's the one that's responsible, and he's kind of responsible for me starting me and uh, got me on the Billiken broadcast too, as well. Starting in '91 on the on the post game show, you know. So yeah, he he's responsible for basically for my radio and career come do this really well listened to very popular 8 a.m sunday morning sports show with this oliver <laughs> you guys will talk about high school and it'll be great yeah a lot yeah that was a lot of fun that was fun <laughs> so uh, people who don't know earl I, earl yeah. knows his stuff has forever i'd get down there and just fake it and like just listen to what you were saying who was that kid from jefferson city that we used to talk so much about Boy, Monty Harch, big Monty, yeah, big Monty in the mid 90s. So you would tell all these complex, intertwining stories, and I would just go, You are so right, Earl. That's an excellent point. And then, remember, then we started doing uh, high school football games of the week, you know, right. Rick Wallace, then you'd come in and do play by play, sideline, then do play by play with uh, you, me, Willard Harrell, and we used to do games on uh. Uh, and then I remember the game we did at uh, East St. Louis at Jefferson City, That's which right. at the time, the game of the century at that time. And, you know, and Jefferson two City won it, right? Boys. No, the East Side won that game, 28-7. Yep. Uh, Chris Moore went wild, 200 yards, four touchdowns. And uh, we had a fun time making a trip down there together, doing that epic game, 10,000 people. So, yeah, you know, he opened a lot of doors for us, you know, doing – and in high school sports, because high school sports really is, is big in St. Louis, but in terms from a media perspective and covering it on a on an electronic media, it wasn't as big. You had the KMOX, uh, you know, report on, on weekends, but Rich bought it to a level where we could do, a, like I said, an old, a Saturday show on it. And then we started doing games, football and basketball, and then bringing guests in the studio and just made it a whole other as well as obviously Cardinals and Blues and whatever the college sports, Mizzou, Illinois, and stuff like that. He made high school sports coverage uh, on the radio uh, just as big a deal when it really wasn't as big a deal, going, you know, before it started. How long you been doing the color for SLU? I just completed my 30th season. And how many has Rammer been there? I think 35. Rammer. That's got to be the most for a team that did not go to school there. <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah, I went, actually went to the same school. Just wasn't slow. Yeah, yeah. We've been together for thirty years, and I think I think Frank Husamama, I think may have computed something like eleven hundred games or right. something like that uh, together. Uh, and you talked yeah. about how Rich helped you get the job. 
do I remember? And if I'm not remembering right, then that's fine. But I remember Ramsey really going to bat for you. Is that a? Are you remembering that? Yes. Can you tell me that story? Well, it was it was it was a combination of Rich, and it was a combination of Brandon Rammer. Obviously, you know, since we 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 did shows together, did a lot of basketball together, and then uh, Charlie Spoonhauer. You know, when I put my tapes together, when it, when the job came up, when Mike Claiborne left, and then and then and then, um, and then Spoon was just taking over the job. And he heard the tapes too. And I kind of took the tapes, you know, I cheated a little bit. I could, some of the tapes of when we did Southwest Missouri State playing in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament, which we also did on that station. Right. And I was in some color then. And uh, Spoon liked it. And Spoon kind of went to bat for me along with Rammer. And uh, that, that's kind of what got me in the door on the Billiken broadcast. Rammer's just been, like I said, uh, just more than a partner now. He's just been one of my best friends, a mentor. And, uh, uh, just somebody that you know. Now we we we're together. We hardly ever talk. We've, when we're not talking Billiken basketball, we're talking about what our families are doing, what my nephews or what his children. And uh, we spend more time talking about those things as much as we do talking about our Billikens. What I like about your broadcast, <clears throat> you and Rammer together. Rammer's like one of the best at calling precisely the action as it's happening, and he'll add the background. Like that the guy's six seven and he hasn't played for two weeks, so his ankle must be sore. It passes over to the small forward, that kind of a thing. And then you come in and you're kind of like the assistant coach from the bench explaining what you just saw. And a lot of the times too, explaining what you think is gonna happen next because of what you just saw. Do you hear that? That's what people say. Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 like I said, we've been together so long that we can anticipate each other and Rammer is just a pro, you know, no Rammer is, uh, does it. And like I said, there's no, like I said, we are both Billiken fans as well as Billiken ambassadors and broadcasters. So we kind of bring that element to it, but he just lays it out easily. So that's all I have to do to tell you, you know, he's telling you what's going on, what is happening. So, and so it makes it easy just kind of, sets it up for me to kind of go into uh, this is why it's happening. And, uh, and uh, you know, like I say, maybe in, like I say, anticipate uh, what's going on. And that's just being around the team, being around, uh, being around the game for so long and being around the program. Uh, you know, we, we, he gives me latitude sometimes to, you know, right. to, you know, I get to show emotion. I may yell in the background. I just, you know, or if somebody throws a pass, he may, I may go, ah, what are you doing? You know, stuff like that. So we're, we're both, sometimes, you know, we're, we're both, you know, we're both fans, but then we're both like, we could be now in our older age, we could be, we could be kind of like those two old man Muppets up there in the balcony, <laughs> kind of, you know, you know, kind of lamenting what's going on on the court. You know, We've but Earl, of, the one thing you didn't <laughs> and have never said is, we can beat these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> but, but one thing, like when we started, we were kind of like, you know, kind of like their big brothers, you know? Right. And now as we've gone along, now we're, you know, we've been, we've kind of become all kind of like the fathers or uncles, you know? Now we're almost like, these are grandsons almost, you know? Because right. we're both there, been around. So that that's kind of what we've done because we've seen just like say so many players pass through. So we we try to make it entertaining and informative, and obviously keep it prof- professional, obviously as well. 
but it, it's 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 just been a blast. I mean, it's we got to get you and Rammer a ring, man. You got to get a ring. <laughs> I tell you what, probably the best, uh, most fun thing. Well, my career, Rammer may tell you too, was when we won that conference tournament in Memphis in 2000 when we were a nine seed and we won those four games in four days, upset right. a bunch of teams and won the NC won the NCAA tournament bid. In the Miracle in Memphis, they call it in the pyramid. And, you know, we're just going crazy. It's just a great, great time, obviously, to do that. And then we're watching Lorenzo Ruhm, where the coach and the players cut down the nets. And uh, that's always just a beautiful ceremony. And then while we're watching, uh, Lorenzo calls us over, hey, Earl Rammer, come over here. And uh, he lets us go on the ladder and cut a piece of the net down. Oh, fun. Yeah. Now, to me, that that's still the highlight of my ability. You got a picture career. of that? Uh, I don't know if we got a picture. I had that piece of net around for the next couple of decades. I don't know where it is now, but I kept that because, you know, that's to do that. That to me, as a basketball person, that's sacred territory sure. Sure. for the players and the coaches and the staff. That That's that's their deal. They put that work in and to do that. And for him to, Lorenzo, to allow me and Rammer to take part in that because we never, we didn't shoot a basket. We didn't draw up an X and O, you know, or anything for us to, to, uh, now, now to me, that's more valuable than any championship ring to be able to be on that ladder and cut that, that, that oh my God, I almost started crying up there because that, I know how sacred that is. And that, that's, that's still a, a big highlight, especially my ability career, but my entire sports career. That's a, that was special. That's a compliment to you. and <clears throat> Unfair question. If, the team gets the breaks and Majerus stays healthy. Do you think there's a Final Four in there somewhere? Uh, there's no doubt. Rick Majerus is probably the greatest coaching mind, and I've been around some great ones, but just on a daily basis, I've never I've ever been around. I mean, he was it, it was amazing, and he like he he said that you know saying what you will be in the top 10 that was he, that was what he prophesied that it happened that it, year after he died uh jim cruz took over we were playing well and we popped up in the top 10 you know i mean he was he was that good yeah had he you know stayed around been healthy and everything yeah we we might have we would have made some deep runs no doubt about it and probably been the been in the Big East Conference. I've always said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, because of Slew's name and because of his name, you're talking about one of the biggest name coaches and what he did. I mean, he that last year he got us, you know, we, we got into the, we were one game, one, about a minute or two from the Sweet 16. We were almost pulled off an upset against Michigan State, lost to Draymond Green in the, by about three or four in the second round, beat Memphis in the first round. And then that was his last year. Then the following two years, we won the tournament and we won the conference and conference tournament. Atlantic 10 got to the, you know, won a game, lost to a great Oregon team. Then we did the same thing, won another conference tournament, went to the NCAA one, lost to Louisville. So the, you know, yeah, Rick would have had us, you know, in, in the national conversation on a yearly basis. He was that good. The players were he was recruiting and the way he was able to get him to play as a team. Uh, we were that, that era was a, was kind of a golden age right there. That little, uh, once we really got it going between the, uh, 12 and 14. You know, this year was so goofy with COVID, by the way, you didn't get COVID. Everybody good. Everybody good. Right. Yeah. We had Joel and I had Joel and Artie on before the <laughs> seedings came out. Right. 
Dave Smale has been on the show. He wrote a really good book about bracketology, which, by the way, if you haven't read yet, you should. It's pretty interesting. I mean, yeah. yeah he said two teams nobody wants to play, Creighton and SLU. And Creighton made it and actually made a little bit of noise, if I remember. SLU yeah, did. Yeah, got the theme. Yeah. yeah. I don't follow basketball like I used to when you and I would talk at 3 o'clock in the morning about all the things <laughs> that were going on. But uh, from my perspective, I thought SLU might have been the team that really got screwed, I'm doing air quotes, the most by the COVID. I mean, it was all leading, leading up, leading up, and it just never got going. Yeah, I mean, we were 8-1. and one, And see, we were on a winning streak dating back to last year. We finished last season. I mean, COVID got us twice last year. We were we were on a we were kind of rebuilding after that conference championship team, and then we had finished the season. We'd won our last six or seven <clears throat> convincingly, and all double digits. We were shooting fifty percent on the field, playing great defense, and we went in the conference tournament in uh, Brooklyn. I mean, really on an upswing, and we were really looking for we if we had beaten St. Bonaventure, we were looking for a semifinal date with Dayton, who was number number three in the country, and went undefeated in league with Obi Top and they were a great team. We were looking for a third meeting with them. We were playing our best basketball, great, great basketball. And that's when uh, we found out in March that, that they were in practice when they said they were going to cut, shut down the conference tournament. Guys were just devastated because they were like, we were really looking forward to defending our Atlantic 10 tournament championship from the year before. So we had won six. So we, we came back better, added a few pieces uh, and, we actually won our first eight games and we lost at Minnesota, but we, so it was like a 14 game winning streak. And we had beaten LSU in a great game and we had uh, beaten North Carolina state, good team by the ACC. And we were scoring a lot of points, playing good defense. And, uh, and so we were eight one getting votes for the top 25. And that's when COVID hit us, you know, not only 11 players, but Travis, our head coach and a few other staff people. And it, not only usually you go to protocol, it's 14 days and you're out and then you, you got a chance to get it back. But we were gone for 34 days and that's, you know, playing at our peak and the missing an entire month, more than a month of not being able to even practice. And then we see Dayton, our first game, and we look bad and almost get pulled it out. But we, 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 we had some ups and downs. We were just never able to get that momentum back, you know, and that, that's just, you know, that, that was, that really hurt us this year. And, uh, you know, we had some big wins, but we just never were able to find that, that peak. When you're, like I said, when you're gone, because we, then we came back and played our first game. Then we were going to Richmond and then we, Richmond got hit for a second time. So we had to come back and get the play. Right. So we basically played like two games in 45 days, 44 days or something like that. And that's just almost impossible to, to try to come back from, you know, and same thing with Richmond. We were picked first and second in the league. Richmond first, us second. In Richmond, you know, we've no prize. Both of us ended up in the NIT because Richmond got hit and shut down three times, and never. And then they had injuries, so both of them. We were probably, you know, the other team really good team, but we were both really, really good teams on the verge of having maybe special seasons. But uh, uh, the COVID nineteen uh, just just kind of kind of derailed that. So I don't forget to ask or say, so I don't forget to say, sorry for your loss and the program's loss. Yeah, Ford's doing our 29-year-old assistant coach passed away uh, last week after an illness. And uh, yeah, it was really hard. He had his uh, 
we had a service at Chaffetz on Saturday, beautifully done, just hard that it was for a 29 year old and not somebody who's lived a uh, you know long, long life. But I would I said not a long instead of a full. He lived full life in 29 years. He was a rising star in the coaching ranks. Uh, really knew his stuff, smart, uh, uh, just knew the game, uh, knew relationships, knew the importance of relationships. Just he was on his way to being going to be a great collegiate head coach. He really had his head on straight. So it was very sad. He was just a good young, just a good dude too. Just uh, just fun to be around as well. So yeah, it was just hard for all of us, not only the Ford family and the Stewart family, but the, the Billigan family as well. It's, it's in mourning. We'll be in mourning for quite a while on this one. You know, sports and real life and all those things <clears throat> get gets fuzzy sometimes, but I'm guessing when you were at Chavis over the weekend, it got a little clear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, just to see everybody. Like, and it was weird because it was, it was the first time you really see saw everybody in a in, in a whole in a year because right. while they played the season we you know we 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 were in Ramber we didn't travel with the team at all and had no contact with the team because of COVID protocol and then we, we did home games for Shafitz but we were off the floor we were up in the upper level so you know so we never really you know had any personal contact with the guys for the whole year because of pro, protocol and it was weird because the only person I talked to Face to face, we talked to Travis obviously uh, on post game shows. You know, he's in the locker room, and but the one the one person I talked to, we just had it was a happy by happenstance. I was coming to my car, and, and it was Florence doing. And we talked. It was late in the season. We talked about 10, 15 minutes in the parking lot about uh, scenarios to get that double buy that number four seed. You know, we were still in the ring. He just broke them all down, and that's that was a, that was the one time that was the one person on the staff I spoke to in person that whole time. And, it was him. It was you know. I thought about that the other day as I was going into going into Shafit. So it was just a you know, a strange year. Even like like we even road games. We we me and Ram we'd be in Shafit's in this room and uh, we'd do it off a off a, a feed. You know, right. well you sounded good doing it. We've had some football guys on Earl talking about the future and the power conferences of sixteen. When it comes to basketball, I mean. You're on this more than I am. You talked about had Rick stayed healthy, maybe he'd be in the Big East. I think the next thing is going to be these power conferences because of football. Do they carry over to basketball, or do you have any thoughts on it? It's hard to say because the one thing you don't get for football that you get in basketball is the element of Loyola Chicago in the Final Four or George Mason, or Butler, Virginia Commonwealth back then, or the element of UNBC beating Virginia in the first round. You get the element of those low and mid-major programs uh, doing doing those things. Obviously, in football, because it's just a four-team playoff, uh, it's hard for you know, like Central Florida who went undefeated a few years back, or if you're not in one of those power conferences, you know, to get in that in that playoff, you know, and basketball, I wouldn't be surprised they want to keep it that way, but because of championship week, the formula of championship week, selection Sunday, and especially those first couple of weekends of the NCAA tournament where you got a lot of the, the big major P5 conferences going against mid-major conferences and going, you know, 
and some of those guys just come up and win games. That's part of the excitement of March Madness. That's what March Madness is all about. And obviously, a lot of times the the big boys, you know, come out on top, and you know. But then, then like you said, then you got a program like Gonzaga, who is turned into one of the mega powers, although they're not in a mega conference, you know. But they're like what you saw from like UNLV mm-hmm. uh, decades ago, a, a big time powerhouse program coming like, from like a, a DePaul, DePaul back yeah. in the yeah yeah yeah. Well, well, then back then those were independents. DePaul, Notre Dame, Marquette right. were independents, but you know even Louisville out of the Metro Conference, you know, but. You know, these are programs outside of what you call your your power mainstream, you know, SEC, SEC, Big Ten, Big East, ACC, those type, you know, uh, programs. You know, Wichita got to the Valley a few years back to the Final Four out of the Missouri Valley Conference. You know, so that, 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 that's, you really don't get that in football, but basketball, it would be hard to try to, I agree. you know, that's, that's part of the flavor of, of March. How long you been at the American, man? 1995. I know how much you enjoy writing. Do you feel more of an obligation to put forth an opinion or put forth a perspective that maybe you hadn't done as much as you do now? I think it's important too, because I mean, sports and social issues have always been intertwined. You know, people want to say, keep it out of it, but it's impossible. I mean, if it was status quo, Jackie Robinson wouldn't have, Branch Rickey wouldn't have signed Jackie Robinson. This is 1947 we're talking about right. in, in Major League Baseball. 1968 Olympics, you know, Tommy Smith, John Carlos, and the, the raising of the fist. Uh, and uh, just, you know, you just go uh, Kurt Flood, you know, that's not politics, but that's still taking a stand against the establishment. And he paid a price, but look what he did for countless other baseball players behind them. You know, it's just, just so, you know, Muhammad Ali, you know, the heavyweight champion of the world, the most recognizable athlete in our world, you know, you know, has to sit down for three and a half, four years because he took a stand against the war, you know? So this is nothing that's not new. Uh, it, it's kind of cool to see, you know, not only us, me, but just see the, you know, so many young people and we saw find their voices on, on a lot of different issues. And, you know, we've seen professional athletes and particularly uh, WNBA players. I mean, those young women, those sisters, you know, the sisterhood, they, 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 a lot of them, they've taken the lead in a lot of this, you know, starting with Maya Moore, who gave up basically her career to uh, get this uh, dude who was the, you know, in prison falsely and, you know, he, it's out of jail now, you know, and, and that, 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 now the league is, you know, you see the NBA, God, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's just a whole different day as opposed to a few athletes here and there. And now you got leagues. Well, the other thing too, like, so we had Art Holiday on and mm-hmm. I'm putting words in his mouth, but it was kind of like, look, I've earned the right. All right. I've mm-hmm. seen it. I know what's going on. Yeah. I've been around. I, I, I now get to be the old guy who gives you some wisdom. I didn't just call you old, but I'm saying I did say that you earned it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it, 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 it's it's something else, and uh, and to, to see even when the stuff was going on, to see high school uh, kids, you know, you go on the social media of all these different high school and collegiate athletes, and uh, 
you know, they 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 they, they felt it and they they spoke with their heart and uh, it was it was uh, it, it was special. It was something to see. It really was. Is, is your face still on that mural mm-hmm. on page? Yes, I got. That's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. That 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 was a special honor to see uh, because uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of important people in St. Louis who got their murals on those on those buildings and uh you know that that's probably one of the more special ones for me you know you know especially when you know my you know like my, my nephews would you know on their on their way to school they go by that every day and they say oh there's a girl out there so <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah I, yeah that, that was that was that was when I, when I got that call it was uh that was something because you know I'm I mean, in a couple of Hall of Fames, but to get that one to say we're gonna, you know, that that did that one hits a little different. Well, let's kind of we got we got the Linwood Hall of Fame, got Slough Hall of Fame, got St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. So there's yeah. a trifecta. By the way, I, I am in none of the three. <laughs> uh, am I forgetting one I should be remembering? Oh no, uh, I'm trying to. I think there's one more, but. I, you know, it's, oh, the McClure North Hall of Fame. McClure North for High School. All right. Yeah. So there, school. we just circled the bases. We went through all four. <laughs> you got a all book sp- in you that's not about sports? Uh, not as of yet. The closest one I wrote was the one about sports parents. The last right. two. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, oh, I haven't, I haven't sat down and written one in a while. It's been a while. I may have to start doing it again. You don't have you the thought, time, man. I know. You had thought maybe during the pandemic I was in the house all the time, but I found other stuff to do, you know. But uh, there, there's a few things I, I may sit down and and then get going again. You know, here's you know, my fun. favorite. Here's, sorry, here's my favorite idiot parent story, right? So um, coaching Steven's team. Um can't remember junior year maybe parkway west summer league this is not an aau tournament this is not high level basketball these are kids who just need to do something monday through friday for a couple weeks and stay playing the gym so anyway we've got this one kid on the team and everybody typically played about the same it would vary but i mean typically again this was not high pressured stuff we were all just out there to have fun and after one of the games, this dad comes up to me and he's livid. It's like I'm 30 minutes late for a conversation he's had in his head about how his kid never gets to play. And, you know, I start my kid the most, which, by the way, is exactly the opposite. Stephen played less than anybody that was on that team in hopes that I wouldn't have to have this conversation. But none of us, I got to have the conversation. So the next game, I start the kid, right? He turns it over like six times in the first minute, and I don't take him out. I just made it excruciating for the parent to have to sit there and watch his kid not be up to speed. And uh, needless to say, he never complained about his kid's playing time again. I'm surprised because usually that would be somebody else's fault too. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, if he if he had some self awareness to realize that no yeah uh, you know he needs some work young man needs some work you know but usually they blame that on somebody else yeah it's folks are passionate about their kids more and more now it's uh 
as you see games, I mean, Little League, all these games are on TV now. And, you know, it's just more publicity for younger kids and everything. Folks are getting more and more wilder and wilder. The best third grader in the country. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's uh, it is it's something. It really is. Oh, I mean, Dude, you always got a smile on your face. You always put one on mine. What'd you do today? What'd you do today to have fun? Prior to having fun on this podcast, of course. Oh man, I didn't really do anything. I'm watching. It's weird. At my old age, I've gotten into watching. You wouldn't believe it. I watched Hallmark mysteries and movies now, all the time. <laughs> Are you a big fan of that Lori Laughlin person? No, no, that's the regular. I watch it. I watch the mysteries and everything. Okay. I, I, and then I, and then just kind of uh, doing writing. Also, when I'm not with the American, I uh, I write for uh, Prep Hoops Missouri. That keeps me pretty busy too. It's a website, which uh, it's a national recruiting and high school basketball website, and it's it's in about 35 states now. And I kind of am in charge of the Missouri website, so I'm covering. Uh, covering the state, Missouri, only St. Louis, Kansas City, Springfield, Bootyel, Mid-Missouri, doesn't matter where. So that, that keeps me busy. And I'm kind of putting putting together my itinerary for uh, June, which I attend a lot of team camps. So I'm kind of starting to get back on road. See, last year I didn't go to any games live. I spent a whole year watching games online, on stream and everything, from the summer throughout the season and everything. So... I'm finally be able to. Now I'm fully vaccinated and all that. I'm finally be able to get out and go see games and cover games live. So I'm getting trying to put my itinerary together to get out and watch these elite camps and uh, team camps in June. While well, May, it's more AAU stuff that keeps me busy. And then now it's prep. We got a prep girls Missouri site too, which I'm uh, doing a lot of writing for as well. That first weekend, you're going to do 11 games in one weekend. I predict. No, this weekend. Uh, this weekend, I'll be. I got a turn. I got next two weekends. I'll be at the center of St. Louis sports in Afton. And, uh, I'll, yeah, there, there's, I'll be the ones of boys tournament this weekend. The next weekend is a big prep hoops, uh, regional tournament. So yeah. It, yeah. Getting, getting back to those days of yeah, 11, like 12 hours in the gym, everything. So it, it's taken a while to kind of get back in that groove. Cause usually that's the whole, that was my norm. But then after being away from it from over a year, it's it's a, it's an adjustment. You're back in that gym for the first time with all these people, and you know. So I would, that's what I love to do. So I'm glad to be back in it. And you sneak off in the corner and hit some J's and get loosened up a little bit, relive the good old days. Oh Lord, those days are way behind me. Hey, you're let, 60 less now. Can you dunk? I never could dunk, even oh. in my top days. You could dunk I, a tennis ball. Yeah, yeah, but that never dunked a basketball in a game. You and Rammer ever play one-on-one? No, no. But we played my early days out of college. I was in the media. We always, West Pine, I think it was Tuesday during lunch hour, they had media games. So we played. Uh, that was fun. Guys from TV, radio, then even the Blues, like Bernie for Durko, come over. And we, we, we played pickup basketball in West Pine. And uh, we had, those, those were fun games. We did a charity thing out in West Pine. One night, if I vaguely remember, it was like K fan versus some fans or something. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. We did my that. one and only time in West Pine. Yep, yeah, we used to play at media games back in the day. Charlie Tuna out there elbowing people. 
<laughs> I remember the one time. Were you there the night Cusimano and Slayton played one on one at the Smet between a the Smet CBC game? No, I remember that. I wasn't at that particular game, but I remember that I'm publicizing it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't even know what the saying is. You can take the boy out of the man, but not the man mm-hmm. out of the boy, or something like that. All right, I enjoyed this. I forget to say anything. Bring anything no, up? No, that's good to good to talk with you, man. I'm glad to see you doing well over time. It's been a lot of fun, man. I just I still remember the wasn't this the name of your overnight show on? Uh, uh, Rob Fisher was on about a yeah. month and a half ago. And we yeah. bored people with some old overtime stories. What's funny is this is the carnation. Pardon? Yeah. I used to listen to them when I'd lay in bed. If I'm, you know, I, I turn it on, I, I hear you guys, you and Rob Fish. Yeah. Because you lived no more than five minutes from the station, so you could get it. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in Florence, man. I wasn't, it wasn't that far. But yeah, I, I used to, I, I, you're right. I, I could get it, though. I really could. We owe it all to Rich Gray. He was the man. I mean, special dude. Yep. All right, let's go do a St. Louis 7. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. My to your pleasure. lovely wife, I say hi. Say hi to your family too, man. Cool. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And another one for the books. Thanks for subscribing wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter, OT with Oliver. Have a great week. I'll see you again on Thursday as we do. Thanks for your time this time. Till next time. So long.